Hi and welcome to the Burrito Kind of Guy podcast, episode number seven. Today my guest is James Hall from the wonderful band The Penske File. Now you need to know, James is not the one who writes the most songs in The Penske File, but I decided to invite him first, yes, because I want to have Travis and Alex at some point on this podcast. I'm inviting you guys, if you're listening, please come at some point to this podcast. Yeah, seriously, uh, James recorded a solo EP a few years ago, and I have a Lawrence Arms matching tattoo, so uh, I thought, why not ask James first? So we had a nice conversation about creativity and songwriting, which, by the way, I'm starting to realize this podcast is not very creative. I'm asking the same questions to different people, and it makes me want to change the way I do it. Maybe I'll do this in the future. If you have any suggestions, please let me know. That would be pretty cool. If you also have suggestions of artists that you would like me to have on this podcast, well, let me know, please please do thank you for listening once again when i started this podcast i didn't think it was gonna be this fun it's actually pretty fun it's more fun than not fun so i'm gonna keep on doing it unless somebody's like please stop doing this to which i would probably reply uh just stop listening then all right this week's sponsor is the jmo jmo is that cool friend you wish you had he does a lot of chat interaction and discussion go hang out with him and you'll find gags reactions politics gaming cool guests maybe me and cooler friends maybe me go give him a follow at twitch.tv slash the jmo in one word the link will be in the description of this uh podcast he's a burrito eating guy who's sponsoring a burrito kind of guy well thank you jay uh check out his twitch account uh and if you have no idea what a twitch account is then get on board because this is the future apparently i don't know we're in the future whatever check out the jmo on twitch and thank you for listening to this conversation that i'm having with my friend james there we go like where were you born and and when like were you born in 1991 92 92 okay same year as me and where yeah. where, where where was that oakville ontario canada Ooh, oakville did you uh did you spend your childhood there or was it in uh never resided there uh okay. i think i think my folks lived in like a crummy apartment um when they had my sister there and she's two years older uh and then i actually grew up in milton no recollection of it at all because then i moved to burlington when i was like four okay so you grew like your childhood and your teenage years were in burlington all burlington yeah what was it like to grow up in burlington oh suburbs like you wouldn't believe uh overpopulated with my age group which was like kind of a, a good and bad thing i guess mm -hmm. like the amount of high schools well the amount of elementary schools that were like popping up and then high schools like in those years they were just popping up like crazy and now they're actually resorting to shutting them down like my high school shut down this year wow how many yeah. kids were were there like uh in that high school like in my high school alone i'm gonna There was probably like 1,200, 1,300, but wow. there was like 12 high schools or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but there was there was yeah. a lot of freaking high schools. That's insane. Uh, it was nutty. 
And, and when did you start playing music? Um, ooh, I feel like I started doing guitar lessons when I was probably like 10 or 12. What, what, what made you want to take uh, guitar lessons? Uh, my, my grandmother actually gave me a guitar when I was like too young to know what a guitar was like just a crummy acoustic guitar. Cause she, she loved to like sit well, she loves singing and she like used to play violin thinks she was great. I doubt she knows how to play anything on it, but my dad was just not a musician at all. So she just thought she would take a stab at it with me. And I love strumming on the thing. But then I took it more seriously when, uh, when Travis actually like from Penske, cause I lived across the street from him, he got a guitar just before me. So then it was like, well, he's got one. I want one. So then I got a real guitar and then we took lessons, not together, but like around the same time. Oh, really? Like, I knew you were like friends for like your childhood friends, right? When did you, I met him. I want to say like the day or the week that I moved onto that street, which would have been between the age of three and four. He waddled his weird looking ass right across the street with a bag of Fruit Loops, sat down on the curb and just said, do you want one? I kid you not, dude. Like straight up. And then we weren't like best friends for a while though. Like his mom babysat a couple kids in the neighborhood. So like my parents took advantage of that, both being, in the working class so me and my sister would both be like babysat by his mom and then i'd see alex and travis like the other guys in the band just always hanging out because they were best friends from like from birth okay so alex like they met before you met them yeah alex and travis's dads went to like either high school or university together wow so like they, they were just kind of forced to be friends huh. but then uh i don't know it was probably like grade four or something that me and Travis started being like good friends. Wow. And it's something like, it's something crazy. Cause like when you see, well, you don't, but like I saw the Penske file uh, many times. And like when, when I, when you see the Penske file live, you can feel that like you are brothers, like you've been friends forever and you can kind of feel it. Yeah. I, I feel like we've been told that a few times uh-huh. and like, we kind of feel that we're brothers first. We just happen to, like playing music together at the same time cool so you started playing music when you were 10 did you want to start a band like uh was it like in your what kind of music were you listening when you were 10 because you had an older sister maybe she influenced you uh, in some ways Uh, i've got a mentally handicapped older sister so we used to rock silly songs like that was my jam it was just like silly songs volume one like the monster mash bro oh Nice. But then Travis came over and showed me that my dad had Dookie on CD. And I was like, dude, that's adult music. I can't listen to that. Like, no way. And then he got me hooked. So then, like, then your Travis. Dad, your dad oh, had yeah. Dookie? Yeah. That's cool. I don't know if he really listened to it. He likes Green Day now, but I don't. I think it just might have been part of the collection, you know? Mm-hmm. No, and then Travis would introduce me. And then, it, like, it was a lot of, like, your typical pop punk, like Blink-182, Green Day. Mm-hmm. Do you remember uh, the first the first album that you bought? Uh, the first album that I got was the first Green Day record on CD. I think it was, I can't even remember the name, 139 Slapstick Happy Hours or something weird. Yeah, something, it's very obscure. 
Because yeah, it was like super weird. But that was the was first in, one that I paid for myself. So it was, and it was probably in two thousand and four or something like that. It was like not like. I mean, it it was not at the time that it was released, so it's it's weird that you bought this one. Yeah, it, it was more just the fact that like I had Dookie and I listened to that one like too much, and uh -huh. then I, I got a bunch of like burn CDs and stuff like that from friends, but then, like when I bought my first one, I wanted the first Green Day one. Didn't mm -hmm. really like it very much, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's pretty good, but uh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember it that much, but yeah. Do you remember the first song that you have learned, like the first on, on guitar, like? Oh, uh, what the heck's it called? My uncle taught me it. It's like do 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 do. Uh, Inspector Gadget. That's what I always call it. But is that what it is? I, I think that's what it is, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the first song I learned on guitar. That or like Smoke yeah. on the Water. Wow, but Inspector Gadget sounds like a. <laughs> difficult song to learn when you start uh, learning. I remember the first song that I learned was my, um, when I was 11, 10 or 11 years old, my, during the summer, my older cousin from France came uh, and spent the whole summer there and he was 18 or 19 years old. And uh, he took my father's guitar and he was like, he played the uh, Nirvana's, um, what's the song? Like, Smells like Teen Spirit? No, like, And I never heard the song before, but I saw my cousin doing it, and I was he was like, "That's easy. It's like this, and like one, two, two, zero, one, two, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And I did it. I was like, "Oh, cool. I can play guitar, but that's all I can play." That's a weird one to learn first. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, and, uh, did you like when you when did you start Pensky File? Ah, uh, well, the band started in the sixth grade mm. but it was travis alex and this dude named christian and they didn't have a name and then it ended so, up and you did they, not have another band than the pinsky file right never I had did. An... yeah i did oh yeah okay what yeah. was your first band? trouble in paradise Ooh, i like it yeah i, I painted like a, a freaking I think it was a palm tree with like the ska logo. Was like it the, a ska like band? The, not at all. I just was obsessed with the Planet Smashers. So, oh, cool. so I just I put that on my bass case or on my guitar case because I would have been guitar player at that time. And there was three of us. That was in the eighth grade, and we were not. We never did any of that. It's it's funny because like you mentioned the planets well yeah the planet smashers and uh, being from Quebec I've always like I've never thought of how in other places they saw uh, the planet smashers and like I never like I always I always thought like oh the planet smashers they're like the biggest ska band in Quebec but they were a pretty big ska band like in the world like not just in Quebec. I never knew, or still, I guess I don't really know how big they are worldwide, but I know Canada, they've done fantastic. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think their shows and following in Quebec are probably bigger, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. do, do you, so this uh, Trouble in Paradise, <laughs> did, you, did you ever play shows? Uh, we played on like a front lawn at like a, a street party. We were the only band. Um, 
no, I don't think we played a show. And that's probably a good thing. Nice. Do you, um, do you remember the first show that you've played? Like the first, like first time I played was actually with the Penske file before they were the Penske file. I was the second guitar player and they let me play. No, sorry. I got to go back before that. They let me play with them in Toronto and I played saxophone on one of their songs. Cause I was learning it in high school or, or elementary school. So they're like, oh, this guy plays sax. Well, so I played one song with them, went all the way to Toronto with them what? just to play one That's song. That's insane. Yeah, it's really weird. Where was that show? Like I want to say were... Holy Joe's. And I mean, I mean, like, how old were you? Like, oh, that would have been like grade seven, so whatever, grade seven, grade eight, because I didn't join the, uh, the band until the grade eight. I was, I'm the third bass player. Oh. And were they called the Penske file? No, they were not called the Penske file back then. No, that was the bad names. Wait, the name of the band was the bad names? Yeah. Pretty good, eh? Yeah, I, I, I don't even know how that fully happened. It was just like they were searching for names and like that was the one that stuck because all of the names they came up with were just horrible. Mm -hmm. Have you never had a ska band? So I'm assuming. Uh, well, like the bad names kind of had some ska vibes to certain tracks like we were huge into the flatliners uh, like destroyed or created just come out they had just got signed onto i believe that would have been stomp slash union yep. at the time right mm -hmm. so we got huge into like that fast ska so we didn't really have horns at all but we would do like the the ska upstrokes and fast travis like pretended he was i don't know a 40 year old singing What do you mean? How was uh, he singing? Oh, he just had this like crazy rasp and it was like, uh, and it was like, you're nice. clearly not in the seventh, eighth grade. Like that's insane. Oh my God. I wish, I wish there, are there videos of like the Penske file, like from oh, as the bad names, hundred percent. Kind of want to see that. I don't know if you do. We got better. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> think we all get better that's uh but the thing with that is that like most people don't stay together in the same band like uh, my first band when i was 12 was called fast mullet and it's pretty bad um, sounds dope <laughs> fast mullet that's like yeah uh that's like, pretty you know dope. i was learning english and i was like huh let's put an adjective and a noun together like it's full adjective fast and then full noun Mullet, like, haircuts sound like, fuck yeah. Uh, so what kind of music were you guys in? Well, I was like, uh, I guess, punk rock. We were influenced by uh, Bouncing Souls and No Fix and all that stuff. So Wait on. Yeah. In fact, I think we were influenced by, like, Thrice, Under Oath, and, like, those kinds of bands. But, like, we were not good enough to play these songs. So we were like we were playing a bouncing souls cover and uh so like <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah and, and like you released a solo ep right uh, a few years ago yeah so i i wanted like something to have uh because i was starting to play like a lot more acoustic shows and they're just kind of they're just super fun and they're very very different than kind of hiding behind the the bass guitar with a full band that already had like its own persona and whatnot. So I just wanted to kind of try at it. And I've always really done like the smaller acoustic gigs or whatnot, but do I'm not you, really like, you, sorry. What's do that? you remember the first time that you played a, like a solo show? 
Uh, yeah, I was in high school. Oh, I really? was working at I was working at a bar, so I was like in the back, like making chicken wings or whatever. And they had an open night that, like, so I just started organizing every Thursdays because it was appetizer, like half price appetizers. So I just got a ton of people from high school to come out, and I set up. I started by playing like three hour acoustic sets. Then I, that was like way too much for me. So then I turned it into just like fun shows. And I just got a ton wait, of wait, people. Wait, you were playing for three hours? Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Like, and mostly like just covers, right? Mostly, yeah. Like at that time, I don't even think I had original material that I was like, you know, comfortable playing. Because I've always kind of just adapted to, like when, when you join a band that is doing pretty decent, that already has a writer mm -hmm. you don't really think well i i don't want to mess with this and then getting behind the acoustic oh i'm just gonna play songs that other people know yeah yeah so i played like for three wide hours variety. yeah it's long that's a good bridge to talk about songwriting you're not wrong You know, do you remember the first song that you've written? Oh. Yeah. It was in Trouble in Paradise because I was writing in that band. And that was like some weird chords. And it was, uh, oh, what was it called? I don't remember what it was called. But it was all about our bass player's dad who thought I was just an absolutely horrible influence for his kid because I was friends with Travis from the Penske file. And he thought Travis was a bad guy. So he I used, it was, it was about like, I'm not smoking pot in the parking lot. And you know, you like the drum would hit at that exact time. Yeah. It was just very like aggressive about nothing. because I was just like a, wow, at the time, that, that I don't think we good. were smoking and we, Oh, thanks buddy. It was a, probably the best material yet, you know? I need to write this down. Not smoking, but... I've seen smoked a lot of pot in parking lots, so that's not really the most accurate, but at the time, no. I don't think I was. No, but I kind of dig it. It's like a minor threat. I kind of, like, I kind of wish minor threats were, like, drug addicts and alcoholics. Like, just because just it, it would make the band so much better. Like, it was like... <laughs> Like, don't smoke, don't drink. And then backstage, they're like, yeah. <laughs> Just slamming them back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Cool. What, and, and do you, what's, who's writing uh, in the Penske file? Because I think you told me like he, it's. We all kind of write, but it started like with bad names and stuff. It was all Travis. And then all of a sudden, Alex picked up an acoustic guitar and being a drummer had no idea what how to do it but he just kind of picks up everything quick so he kind of had songs figured out but he didn't know how to play them and put them and then when he was able to put it and then at the same time we found out that he had the best voice out of any of us in the band mm -hmm. like he has the highest range and can almost get as low as i can on some of the notes which is just insane because he has the widest freaking range but then trap then it kind of went like travis was writing everything and alex would come in And then I just kind of dabbled in every once in a while. Like, I think I would write, I wrote one, one song on our first EP. 
so Young Hearts on trial, I, I wrote our constructions. And then Arrest of Symphony, I think I wrote a song for that one, but it didn't make the cut. Okay. So you did not write the best song on that album? I guess not. I still think it was the best one. You know, they 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 put her, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but then, so the way it's kind of written, it's kind of always written acoustic and then we bring it to the table and then we kind of just like share it amongst each other. And then it, it's kind of like you just, once we've heard it enough times acoustic, usually around a campfire or whatever, or on tour in the van. That's so cool. Yeah. Then we would just start playing it. And if it flowed well, it would be a song, but then we would kind of all have our own input melodically change stuff up, change the chords, whatever it may be, you know? Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I kind of envy this thing of like being three songwriter in the, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I would get along well with two other people writing songs, but like in Lost Love, for example, I write 98% of the songs. Like I usually- I thought that was the case. It is you're the yeah. only writer, eh? Yeah, I've come up basically with a song that's already like, there's all the lyrics, there's all the structure of the song. And I'm, up, I'm basically telling everyone in the band like, hey, here's a song. If you want to change something, let me know. And usually, well, For the last like couple of records, I've been very open-minded about like changing anything. But like the I remember the first Lost Love album, it was just like I'm the one who's writing songs, so let's do it like this. And we did not change anything, but we worked with a producer for the last for the two with you and number three. And the fourth one, we did not do that. So yeah, right on. Yeah, have you ever done, have you ever worked with a producer? Not officially, mm. but we've worked with different people that have come to the table as producers, uh, fellow musicians, friends, um, are like an engineer that's done the last few records. He comes up with suggestions as well. And I think like at the first record we ever did was like impossible to take any kind of uh, constructive criticism because it was just considered criticism the whole time. Like, no, what do you mean? The song's bad? Like what? And it's like, mm -hmm. no, they're just trying to, be a complete outside ear why don't you try this why don't you try that but now it's, when, when you say when oh, you say no. your first record you you mean the first penske file record right the first yeah file? the okay. first penske file record being young hearts on trial that ep that was recorded with john fielding um and like he recorded it all in his basement and he definitely helped produce that um it was kind of weird because the way that he produced it was more just like introducing us to Oz and ooze and like all this backing track that maybe doesn't need to be in the foreground, but it can make a song way better. Mm -hmm. So we, we did listen to that, but it took like poor guy struggled to get us to listen to that. Um, but now we're a little bit more open. We've like Chuck Coles has been a staple in our songwriting process. Oh, he's, cool. He's, Interesting. he's a fantastic musician and he comes to the studio and he'll take a song and break it down to nothing and we'll like rewrite in the studio we'll change the entire song wow it's happened a few times uh i don't know if you've listened to the latest lost love uh single uh, that came out like a month ago now uh it just came you just released another one uh, a new single yeah oh i have i have not had a chance okay. to listen to that Th this song is it's, it's called hell and it was uh one week before the studio Uh, we had all pre-production, like it was all set and I listened to the song and I was like, it's not good. 
but it has the potential to be good. And I like I destroyed it and remodeled it, and now it was picked by the label to be the first single. And I was like, huh, okay, that cool. Can, so it works sometimes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're having some technical difficulties here. Do you remember the first time that we met? Fuck, no. Do you? Um, I have a file here. You have a file saved from the first time we met? Yeah. No, I have was a it, file with all the shows. Was it that memorable? I have a file oh, with Oh, you all keep the all the shows. Yeah. yeah. You, you've and, always been awesome at that. And uh, in 2014, the 50th show of Lost Love was at the Penske house. And I think we had not played together before. Or maybe we had. Well, I think okay, we didn't invite. People oh, you're into right. That house that we didn't know. Huh. Like that was such a local community house party, but like we, I don't know, we did kind of promote them, but at the same time, we must have met before then. So we know it's earlier than 2014. But I remember a night where we played Emisphere Gauche in Montreal, which is also in 2014. And we played Ottawa and Montreal together. Well, we played a lot of shows together. No, I think I remember you and Travis started talking out of nowhere. And I think you figured out, we'll give you some shows and you give us some shows in our own communities. And we hadn't met yet in person until, you might be right, the Penske House. I think we met you at our house. Because I remember a picture from you and me in Montreal because we have the same Lawrence Arms statue. And yeah. it was and it was after the Montreal show at the uh, Lemisphere Gauche in Montreal. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, we might it might have been at the Penske House in the 2014, the day after that show that we played in Toronto, three shows in one night. Uh, not with the Penske file, like we lost love played three shows in one night. Yeah, you know that's pretty wild. Was that four something? Like a north what? by northeast or something? No, 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 no. It was like we we had a show booked at the Central, and, and but it was an early show with comedians. Like it was like stand up and punk rock, and and we played that show, and it was like seven p.m. or like seven thirty when we finished the show, and we knew some people that were playing Rancho Relaxo, so and we were wild back then, so we were like, hey, can we jump on that bill? And they were like, yeah, and we did. Next to Rancho Relaxo, I think I'm not sure. There's a Japanese uh, venue. Well, it's a restaurant that makes sushis. Well, it's probably not there anymore. It's, it was called Izakaya, and uh, there was a hardcore show. And we just went there, and we were like, "Hey, we just played two shows tonight. It would be cool to play a third one. Can we play here?" And we did. <laughs> what? That's awesome. I think the only time that I was ballsy enough to do like, to just randomly ask someone if we could play another show was in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Cause the first. Is it in Montreal? Was it a uh, Pusa? No. Oh. First, first three times we played in Montreal was actually in the Fatal Lofts. Ooh. Oh dude, we used to go to the animal house. Buddy of ours kind of ran that one and it was a little bit more low key mm-hmm. for the area. But we, there was a hardcore show going on and I was absolutely tanked. And we asked them if we could play and they said, yeah. 
So we got on stage and I was like, guys, we got to open up with the only song that is remotely hardcore. And on the Bad Names record, Can I Have Your Brass Knuckles Back was the title track, like was the first track of that record. Can I have your what? Your, your brass knuckles wow. back. Like, so obviously we suit the bill, right? So we play that. I'm writing and then that we down. Go, and then we go right into our next song, which has a little bit of ska to it. And they started freaking out like beer cans to the freaking head. Oh, I was terrified. So we nice. just played, can I have your brass knuckles back again and packed up and left. <laughs> yeah. Like they did not enjoy us there. At what, all. what year was that? Oh my God. That must've been like buddy of ours were in call. Like it must've been college, like just after high school. Our, we had our first van. We broke down on the way there. Nice. Like the typical stuff, you know? At my first show uh, in Montreal, because I'm from Rimouski, as you probably remember, maybe not. I do, I do uh, recall. Uh, so I had this cabin and we played, it was not called Fatal, it was called Death House, but it's in the same. That's where we played. That's yeah. the one. Maybe we'll play the same show. No, we did not. Uh, but, no, it was uh, not the same show. But So is that not considered part of Fatal Lofts? I think it, it is, but it's it's not called Death House anymore, I think. I don't know. Oh, I, gotcha. I've only been there twice. One was when I was 15 or 16 with my Scobin. We drove six hours to get there. And uh, like it was a Scobin with ho horns. Like there was a trombone player and a trumpet player. And their parents were very uh, uptight, if I can say that. And 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 I think like they were they were not down with like having their sons uh, playing a squad in Montreal, which is pretty legit. When when your son, well, I don't know. like imagine driving like six hours to go and play in some place where you're like, there's definitely going to be drugs and alcohol there. <laughs> oh, I've got some. This will have to be for another time. But I've got tons of stories about Fatal, and I did not tell my folks any of them because we were oh. far too young to be surrounded. Like it was, that was the first time I was surrounded around any type of punk squat. Cause I, I don't really think or know of places in Ontario that really have that vibe that it definitely has a lot more of like a European vibe. Yeah. From what But, I remember, I don't even know yeah. how it is anymore. Cause I, last time I've been there was like 12 years ago. Oh yeah. It's been forever for me too. Going back to songwriting, what's your writing process? Like, do you do you plan a specific moment for songwriting or does it just come and you're like, hey? I've tried both. Okay. And as you know, like from this conversation, I'm not the most um, avid songwriter. Um, I find songwriting can be extremely frustrating. And a lot of the times I want a song written. So that is the worst time for me to write a song. If I sit down and plan to write a song, I might as well be breaking my guitar five minutes later. What do you, what do, you do first? Do you write, do you have lyrics written? Do you, do you start with a melody? Do you jam with your guitar? What do you do? A lot of the time when I play acoustic guitar, it's more just me just like kind of fingering around on the fretboard, playing some cool chords. And that'll usually start something. And I kind of have like a catalog of those. And then... 
a lot of the time on tour, because that's usually the time that I'll have like the most think to myself time. I'd be sitting in the back of the van or something. I'd start like scribing some notes down. And if I got something decent, I would at some point like match them together and then kind of work from there. A lot of the times I would start with like verses though. And then choruses were always a really hard thing for me to get to. Why? I think I overthink them. Like that's, that's my biggest struggle in songwriting is that I'm constantly overthinking the end result. Like it needs to be so good being in a band where I didn't write anything. Like it needed to be good enough, not only for the band approval, but to make it past that stage, make it to the record, make it to everything else. And the songs that have made it to the record are the ones that just literally came naturally. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think home, the song home, you wrote it, right? Yes. I wrote that one on tour. And it feels like such a simple yet catchy song. So it, it feels like it doesn't feel like you were like, oh, like stressing out about what the chorus might be like. Cause it was like, it's just there. And it's just like, it's state, it, it sticks in your head and you're like, huh? So yeah, yeah, I was like, that song was actually first written on the guitar. Like the melody came first of like no lyrics, no melody of, of the actual lyrics themselves, just the guitar riff, like that opening riff of home. And it just kind of happened one day. And I was like, wow, I really love this. It was a new kind of chord structure that I was playing with where you slide the E up rather than playing like the actual bar chord itself, but just like the E formation. So I was really loving that. And then we had a day off on tour. And do you remember where? I can give you a lot of details of how I wrote home. Do you want the whole story? Well, yeah. We were in Nelson, BC. We had a day oh, off. And it was a and drive back home from Nelson? No, no, we had a day off. And okay, okay. we had a friend that lived in Nelson. Okay, cool. So nice. we went to Nelson and hung out for a bit. And next thing I know, we might have gotten into some illegal things. And I'm just tanked. And I find a guitar. And I'm at the end of a dock. It's 4 a.m., I can't find the guys because I'm pretty sure they just stole or let's say borrowed a boat and are just gone. And there I am at the end figuring out this song and I just start screaming it at the top of my lungs on this dock, just, just slamming on the chords because I think like we had been on tour. Home. Yeah. We've been on tour for like a month maybe a month and a half at this point. Like it was one of our longest stretches at, at that point. And I was just gassed. I was like, I did, like, I can't find the guys. I'm freaking out. Started in St. Catharines for our CD release, did a CD release in Hamilton and then just said, see you later. We were on tour with fire next time. So we went all the way out East, all the way to the Eastern most point of Canada. And then we went all the way out West. We left fire next time, I think in Edmonton, but then we continued, went out West came back all the way. So it was about a month and a half at the end of it. Yeah, but no, I just started belting that out on the end of the dock and it just kind of stuck. The guys eventually returned with the boat while the sun was rising, which was pretty epic. And uh, then we just continued our tour. Wow. Nice, nice story. Yeah. Turned into one of those songs though. Like, I never expected it to turn into a song that the guys would like. And I never expected it to turn into one of those songs where it's been like a, a staple sing-along 
at a bunch of different shows and festivals and stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you write lyrics? What, what, what inspires you to, to write lyrics uh, on, on this particular song? I guess it's the feeling of getting back home, but what, like in general, do you, do you write about uh, your own emotions? You write about uh, what do you write about? It would usually have to do with my, my emotions, I would say. Like, whatever I'm kind of feeling. I've been down more times than I can count on tour. And it's just that, like, seclusion in the van for, like, a really, really long period of time. Uh, being away from home was always kind of hard, but I didn't really realize it. Uh, so that was definitely kind of how that one was written. But, like, other ones, too, just kind of, like, crazy stuff has happened in anyone's lives but the way that I've coped with those things is by diving into music so whether that be playing with the guys or whatever or it sometimes I'll pick up and just write a song and it's usually emotional driven for sure do you, do you realize it on the spot that it's a way it's a coping mechanism or do you realize it afterwards that you're like oh shit that helped me afterwards for sure like I don't like think about that at the time like the songs Home, for example, or any of the other ones are either songs that I've just like written. Like if you got a piece of paper, you're like, you can't write fast enough because the words are just like coming out. And then, I've, you you know, you'd make changes after, but. Yeah, I've had that. I've had this uh, recently. And instead of uh, typing or writing with a pen, which I don't do much anymore, <clears throat> I just now i take my phone and i just record myself saying what i feel oh i like that and and sometimes it gives me like a 12 minute uh weird long speech of myself talking about something very specific but then i re-listen to it and i'm like oh shit that line was good but i'm like it's all like on the moment it's like it's happening when I'm feeling something and I'm like, Oh shit. So yeah, when I love that. Yeah. I mm -hmm. love that. And I've never thought of doing that because I can write a song at any point in time about anything. Yeah. It's always been kind of like a thing that I can do. You give me a topic, give me some chords. I'll write a damn song right now, yeah. but I, it's only good that time. Yeah. If you I ever tried to yeah. play, you probably remember that. Remember we were at the park in Montreal having a couple drinks and we sang for like three and a half hours about the moon man. Oh, the moon man. Wait, I have another experience with the moon man in the park in Montreal, but I think I know what you were talking about. I don't know Was how it I, we started talking about the moon man, but then we busted out the guitar and I just started strumming and we had an epic chorus. There's like seven of us screaming about the moon man. Try to tell me right now or ask me what the hell the song was about. I couldn't tell you, but do you remember was, when that when was that? Like, was it like uh, right I, like just before a, a puja? It might have been because we've crashed with you a few times. Mm -hmm. Like it might have been then, or maybe we crashed with you a separate time. But I remember you specifically being in the park with us, and because you told, told us we need to make sure we have some type of food with us, so you made us go get some putain before. Ah, makes right? sense. Yeah. So we had Putin with us, we're drinking, but you know, they're not going to get mad at us. And we just started singing about the moon man. Have you been writing songs during the pandemic? I'm not going to lie. I have not. 
I have, I have taken a, a weird step back from music. We got a house and a dog and I started my own business and the band all lives so far apart. We have never been ones to communicate on technology or communicate in general. We're the worst communicators. Wow, really? So wow. we at the beginning of the pandemic, like we didn't really see each other at all. Uh, we're trying to get back into the swing of things, but um, I think I wrote one song. So you haven't practiced with the Penske file in how long? From now? Oh. Or from like the beginning of the pandemic, I guess. The beginning of the pandemic, we got about like, I don't know, six months, seven months in before we even saw each other in person. Wow. We would, we would have, there was Friday Zoom nights. Oh, cool. That one of, I think, I don't know, one of our friends was organizing it and there was like, you know, 20 little things on the screen and we're just hanging out, having drinks with each other. So we mm -hmm. saw each other in that aspect, but it was just totally weird. We just kind of got sucked away from it. Yeah. Um, I, we, I recently went back to guitar teaching though. So I have one student. Oh, that, really? Yeah. I was, I missed the lesson today because I was late, but I did make your podcast. So there's that. So I had to reschedule that lesson, but she's 10. And that blows my mind how good she is at such a young age. So it's kind of cool. gotten me back into it a little bit. We also moved into a house with a piano yeah, that I was completely it. out of tune, Ooh, but we just geez. got it tuned. How much did it cost? There's a place in Jordan Station that was trying to cost, charge us like $320. And I was like, that seems like a really steep amount to tune yeah. a piano. So then I was talking to Travis and he just got his piano tuned because he moved into a new place. And he said the guy lived around the corner from him, but he was only like 90 bucks. So I gave the guy a shout and he came all the way over here, which was an additional probably 30 minutes of drive time, hundred bucks. Nice. Is he blind? He's not blind. Why do you, you have you... a blind piano tuner? Well, usually the best piano tuners are blind. From what I've been told, he did have his eyes closed most of the time. Yep, my dude, my, my dude. <laughs> no, it's pretty awesome though. Watching the guy because I've never seen a piano like properly tuned, especially one that was as terribly out of tune as this one. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you can't even handle yourself. Oh my god, too many white claws. Uh, do you? <laughs> James, what is, what is, what is creativity to you? If you had to describe creativity to someone who's never heard the word before, or like to an alien, let's say an alien comes to Jordan station. Is that what it's called? Yeah, you got it. You bang Jordan on. station. And uh, they're like, Hey, James, what is creativity? What would you say? All right. So how do you do or think of something that isn't, typical or in the norm of everyone else around you whether or everyone is it would you call an alien everyone you really screwed me up with the alien part of this analogy don't, don't mind the uh, alien continue with your answer i, I like it no it's just it's basically like how do you create something or how do you think of something that is your own it's yours and i, love, I, I know it. i know create is part of the word creativity but like how do you create something how do you figure it out so it's something original it's something that's yours 
It can even be an adaptation of something that already previously existed that you've manipulated in some way to create on your own as well. I think that's awesome. But yeah, it's just some sense of you on a plate. Wow. Do you think everyone is creative or do you think everyone has a creative potential? I would say everyone has creative potential. I would say that some people are probably shyer than others or nervous or anxious or don't believe in themselves to try it. Um, I was probably one of those people for a bit of my childhood because I wouldn't say that I was really artsy and outgoing. I, oh, I was an outgoing personality, but in terms of like, hey, look at what I created wasn't really something that I did. But I bet you everyone's thoughts are creative and they might not acknowledge those thoughts and those aspirations and those desires to get those out on some type of hmm. physical or public forum. I like this so much. I like your uh, definition of it so much because uh, the, the reason why I'm doing this podcast, well, it's not the main reason, but it's one of the reasons is uh, I'm teaching uh, English as a second language to uh, Quebec kids. They're not kids, really. They're in college, so they're like 17, 18, 19. They're kids to me. Oh, whatever. I, and um, I've been thinking about creativity and how it, if like, how the creative potential of someone affects the way that they can learn a second language. Because, uh, in in a, in a sense, like saying sent like speaking in another language is like a way like you create sentences at some point. Like at first, you're, you're learning words. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm learning these words. And at some point, you have to build sentences from scratch, from like. I'm going to put these words. And to me, there's some kind of creativity there. And that's why I, I want to I can chat. see that. Yeah, that's why. I, and, and when you mentioned, like, it's it's about, like, creating something. It's about, like, your what's in your head and what, like, you... There's there's something there. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. But if we were... Like, I think that I am a creative person. Like, I... I have to create things for my work. I create things in the band. Um, how, how much space does uh, creativity takes in, in your job? Uh, probably a bit more in like quoting and stuff like that. People want, people don't know what they want. So huh. they rely on you to on the spot. Some suggestions. Now, a lot of those suggestions might stem from previous experiences. If, 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 Like if everybody has the potential to be more creative, how, what would you, what would be the tips that you would give someone to like, I don't know, become more creative. Do you think creativity is something important? Uh, something that people should, I don't know, work towards. Like they should, people in general should have more creativity in their lives. Well, as I kind of said, like I already think that everyone is creative, but I think projecting it, even if it's on like an art canvas that only you see or on a piece of paper that has a poem on it or a song on it or a book on it that only you are seeing, it's good to get that out there. I don't think you necessarily need the validation of the public for it. And that's probably a hindering point for a lot of people why they're not being creative. But I also think that there's a big battle between creativity and just like, being a super analytical mind. Like I, I overthink everything and that can bash a lot of my creativity. 
Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of get rid of that for a second uh-huh. and just enjoy whatever comes out, good, bad, ugly, who gives a shit, stop caring. Yeah. You'll enjoy yourself. You'll enjoy your life more. Yeah, it's cool because uh, uh, I think that in creativity, there's a big aspect of it that is risk taking. Yeah. Take you have to take risks uh, because I feel like it, in the history of humanity, there's all like every creative person has taken risks in order to achieve something. Like uh, even in science, there's uh, creativity in like for example. I have, I'm not a science, I'm not a big science person, but let's take the most obvious person with Einstein and the relativity uh, theory, like build a theory, you need to think out of the box and you need to take risks. And even if you go further back in time and you think of like people like thousands of years ago were thinking that hurt was flat, but even today, but some people think that but that's something else uh and to think that like some people back then were like hey i think i have this theory that uh it's actually a globe it's not flat like it 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 was a risk back then to say this so like there's there's something like in in i don't know there's but you pointed out something that i like taking risks you have to if you're not going to take the risk to try to be creative whether it be for yourself or someone else It's just not going to happen. Not smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Not smoking pot in the parking lot, buddy. (laughs) What were you going to (laughs) say? I don't don't remember. I think like a lot of my musical creativity though, just comes from um, playing. I, I did a Europe tour where I brought my, girlfriend turned fiance now wife um out on the trip and we played this little bar in this tiny town in switzerland and they needed me to keep playing so i i don't know any more songs it's been like two hours and this is this is all i can remember so i just had to write a song on the spot so i think we i wrote a song for like four minutes about how i went swimming that day And then it turned into this thing. And that's how, you know, going back to the moon man and all that kind of stuff, it turned into this thing that I do and I do it. Okay. I wouldn't say I'm great at it, but it is a ton of fun. I think you're great at it. Cause now I remember the moon man thing. Cause I have like, like it's weird. Cause you mentioned the moon man thing. And I have like a couple of experiences at the park uh, with the moon man for some reason. So it's, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, fuck. I remember this, that you can write songs on the, on the spot, which is a pretty creative thing. But that's probably my most creative outlet. And like, I love, I love doing it. And I'll even sometimes take like a riff that, you know, and a melody that you're familiar with and just change the lyrics on the fly. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have like a terrible rhyme or like something that doesn't make sense. And then I just, you just gotta beat it. You go through it. And I'm going to circle back with what you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast by saying that, like, you know, when you were listening to silly songs with your older sister? Yeah. Like, I think that's pretty much the uh, basic of, of this. And, and maybe, I don't know, I don't, I'm not here to give any uh, tips uh, to, to anyone, but maybe you should do this uh, more often, like to play the guitar and sing about random stuff, because maybe that's how 
you will at some point get like ideas for future Kensky file song or solo songs that at first it sounds silly, but in the end it's like it's a good melody or it's a good line, even though it's like, oh shit. I think it rounds back to what you said, where you actually record it. Because I've done that and I've created long lost, I guarantee you the long lost Penske file record. Like I'm talking some pure gold tunes that I can't remember. I don't even remember the chords. I don't remember. It just came out one day and then, you know, life happens. You get distracted. Maybe it's been like a week gone by and you just don't remember it. Mm. Like I know that that's happened a few times. So I'm going to take your advice from that. And if I have a creative thought that I want to remember, because sometimes your creative thoughts can be a rant of sorts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you have something that might be longer, but it's great to have something to go back to. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been it's been an hour now. And I have uh, as a conclusion, do you have any future projects? Uh, What should people check out? Any new music coming in the future? So we we recorded a record right before the pandemic. We just haven't gotten back in to finish. I think we have 14 songs recorded. So it's just like we're, the conversations have all started. It's more about, okay, what do we want to do with it? Are the songs good? Did we rush it? Did we not rush it? Do we need to add some? So we're not going anywhere. We confirmed a couple shows. Life got busy for sure. So I don't know if we're going to be going crazy, crazy, crazy. I've we haven't announced you. those shows. Yeah, so I've been told you. No, I've been told you we'll play Montreal. Yeah, I can't wait. Because the last time we played Montreal, as you know, it wasn't necessarily the best Montreal experience, but it was followed by probably one of the best Montreal shows. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah. So it'll be really good to get back there and to see, like, see – part of this musical community that we've surrounded ourselves around and then completely neglected for the last you know year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, stay tuned for Penske being back out on the road, not maybe as extensively right away until the pandemic kind of calms down a little bit, but we definitely have new music coming out by 2028, Sweet. 2029, 2035. It'll be something. Out. Yeah. Some, in the Something future. Like in the future. Yeah. In the future, it'll happen Amazing. probably. Well, yeah. Well, thank you, James, uh, for accepting to participate in the Burrito Kind of Guy podcast. And uh, it was nice uh, seeing you and chatting with you. And everybody, don't forget to not uh, not smoking pot in the parking lot. And uh, if anybody has my brass knuckles, I would like to have them back. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs>